It must be one of the most anguished cries in the whole of human history. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? These words, of course, are the very words that Jesus cried out at the depths of his own suffering on the cross. But Jesus wasn't inventing unique words to interpret his suffering. Rather, he was deliberately quoting Psalm 22, the psalm we're looking at today in verse 1. Words, of course, that were first uttered by David. And it's, it's difficult to see what part of David's life this might refer to. As one person says, this isn't a description of illness, but of execution. And whilst David was once threatened with stoning, it's a very different kind of scene. So it's understandable what people say this psalm is simply a prophetic psalm. That time and again, we see so many references that link us directly to the cross of Jesus. The taunting and mocking in verse 7, the dividing up of garments and casting lots in verse 18, the hands and feet pierced in verse 16. Actually, one translation of the Bible calls this the psalm of the cross. And of course, it certainly is. But this is a psalm that David sang. This is a psalm that the people of God sang over many, many years. And so over many years, it's resonated deeply with the experiences of people through the ages. Indeed, part of the power of the cross is not just that objectively Jesus did something unique on the cross. And of course, he did. But in that cross, there is a pattern for us of suffering now, glory to come. That's the New Testament pattern of the way of life for a Christian, the way of Jesus. So Psalm 22 clearly was Jesus' psalm. It, it gave voice to the deepest anguish of his heart as he hung on the cross. But Psalm 22 was also a psalm of David. And Psalm 22 is most certainly too our psalm. And there's a psalm that comes, I think, in two parts, uh, one quite much longer and then a slightly shorter part. It is first a psalm of sobbing and then a psalm of praising. And those two things are not mutually exclusive in the life of a Christian. So firstly, it's a psalm of sobbing. David expresses so vividly here his own experience of feeling utterly abandoned by God. Here is the most intense suffering that God's servant can ever know. It's not just that his enemies are surrounding him and verse 7, verses 12 to 13, they clearly are. It's not just that his body is, is in the most dreadful pain and, and it is. Look at verses 14 and 16. But almost worst of all, he feels that God does not hear him and simply doesn't care about his suffering. And that's not an uncommon feeling amongst us, is it? In the face of terrible trouble, we wonder how our loving Heavenly Father can stand idly by when we're in such pain, or maybe those around us are in such pain. I had a lovely friend in our last church. Her life, in her life, she'd faced some really terrible things. The death of her young baby, her worship leading husband leaving her, and more recently, she had bowel cancer. But you know what really made her upset one Sunday was when we had a testimony slot in the church service. Someone came up and were talking very earnestly about their child's hamster that had become ill or hurt. I can't quite remember. And this person talks of how she'd prayed and the hamster had been healed. Well, after the service, my friend was seething. She was so angry. What kind of a God heals a hamster but lets a baby die and marriage collapse? and cancer grow. 
There's no ex answer that fully explains that, is there? Indeed, this lady started up a group in our church that she called Misfits. She said it's for people who have serious doubts who want to talk about them. I was a bit nervous when she said she wanted to start it, and some people said, oh, we shouldn't let that happen. But I took the decision to let it happen, just to keep in touch. And you know, all of them who joined that little group are still in church today and serving in the church. They've not abandoned their faith but they were not prepared to ignore the very dark questions, the very painful realities, and they weren't afraid to give voice to their doubts and their pain. My God, my God, why have you forsaken us? But somehow in it, their faith hadn't gone. And David, even in extreme distress, never loses his faith, nor does he ever fall into complete hopelessness. Indeed, his anguish leads him to prayer and his first words of this psalm, my God, my God. Do you notice even his suffering and doubt and confusion, his instinct is to hang on to his God. He's still his God. It's the same in the next psalm that we all know so well, Psalm 23. It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. It says the Lord is my shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. A dark experience, yet faith in God is there somewhere still in a very personal way. And what is it that fuels that faith? Well, actually, amazingly, according to Psalm 22, it's testimony. When that lady was so angry about that testimony slot in my church, I really wondered, gosh, should I stop having these testimony slots? Maybe they do more harm than good. But Psalm 22 says no. And the psalmist in verses 4 and 5 recalls the experience of God's people. Not necessarily his own experience, it's talking about his ancestors, his fathers. But what he's saying is they cried out to you, Lord, and they weren't abandoned. So David's saying here, look, I've cried and, and God has appeared to abandon me, but I've seen that God has been faithful in the past. And it's a bit like a fog that lifts for a moment. He just about can see that, well, maybe he's not come to me yet, but maybe he still will. God is still there. He also has a deep sense that God knows him, that God is committed to him, no matter what it seems. He's known that God has been that unseen part of life from the very beginning. You see that in verses 9 and verse 10. See, the recurring theme of the psalm is that the spiritual remedy to suffering and pain is to fill our mind with stories of when God has been faithful, even if it was to others and even if it was in the past. That's why reading the Bible is so important. That's why sharing testimony in church is so important, even if it can cause some pain for others who go, well, why didn't that happen for me? Fill our mind with truths that we know that God has been with us. Remember that verse, God, sorry, cast all your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. See, my children, my kids at times have struggled with me and Fran. They've now pretty much left home. We used to tell them off. We wouldn't let them have all the things they wanted. There were times when we were, would not step in and solve all their problems for them. We'd let them work through stuff and they'd be grumpy and feel that they were suffering. And recently I asked at uni, do you know that we love you? And they said, of course we know we, you love us. 
We've no doubt ever that you love us and you're there for us. You see, they've seen enough evidence in their life to know it, even though at certain times they probably want to scream at us. You don't care about us when you won't let us do this or you won't let us watch that. But they've never doubted that we love them, no matter how difficult we may have made life for them at times. The New Testament is clear that the normal Christian experience, Romans 5, that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, character produces hope and hope doesn't disappoint us the bottom line is this feeling forsaken by god is far from being unique to christ and rare for the believer it is the regular and frequent struggle for the ordinary christian we have to daily take up our cross but it also brings us to what we must say about this psalm as well as touching on the christian common christian experience this psalm is clearly a profound and specific prophecy of the sufferings of Christ. We see in its words the unmistakable scenes of Christ's crucifixion, the mocking, the piercing. The psalm is the fullest fulfilment, sorry, the psalm's fullest fulfilment is found in Jesus Christ and his cross. On the cross, Jesus identifies with us in all our real suffering. See, the truth is, in our sin, our refusal to allow God to have the supreme place in our lives, we create a barrier, a wall. It shuts us out from the presence of God without realising it. You see, in our sin, we are, to a degree, utterly forsaken and abandoned by God. But Hebrews 2 quotes this psalm, but it goes on to say, Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. What it's saying is this, on the cross, Jesus is our substitute. He experiences the reality and agony of being actually abandoned by God, actually being forsaken by him, cut off, so that actually we don't have to be cut off. We don't have to be abandoned by God. It, it may at times feel like that, but the truth is we're not. Jesus experienced that abandonment so that we don't need to. And actually the great joy of that means that our, we have a saviour who really does know what it feels like to feel abandoned and to feel forsaken by God because he actually was. We feel it, but we're not forsaken. We're not abandoned, but Jesus was forsaken, was abandoned, so he knows what that feels like. But of course, not only that, three days later, he bursts out of the tomb and shows that sin is defeated, that death and the power of the devil are gone. He declares you are no longer ever abandoned. You will no longer ever be forsaken. No matter how much it feels like, the dividing wall is torn down. The curtain has been ripped apart. God is with you. God is for you and he's for you to eternity. That is the joy of the cross which I think is why suddenly this psalm uh, in the later parts turns into a psalm of praising. Verse 22, in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. See, I imagine this man being part of uh, the congregation on Sunday and the, the uh, vicar says, uh, will anyone want to come up and give a testimony? And then this man goes up and the vicar's thinking, oh no, this is going to bring the mood down. I wanted this to be a joyful service. And here's a bloke going to come and say, oh, God's abandoned me. It's terrible. It's awful. 
but actually the vicar is blown away because that's not what happens at all. Even though the vicar knows this guy has gone through the most awful things, has felt absolutely at the end of his faith, at the end of his tether. He stands up in church and tells the whole of the church, get up, verse 23, I'm praising God and you lot need to praise God too. Why praise? Simply because, and it's really striking, the success of the cause of God. The apparent failure at the beginning of the psalm now seems swallowed up in victory. Notice verse 27 to 29. This is all people everywhere, everyone. God has triumphed and it affects everyone. It is a time of blessing for all. Not just short-lived blessing, but verse 30, a lasting blessing. And what is the nature of the victory? Verse 24, the saving mercy of God. See, that's the amazing thing, that not only on the cross did Jesus cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He also cried, it is finished. Not a cry of defeat, but a cry of victory. It's accomplished. It's done. And that's there here in verse 31. The victory has been won. God's mercy has been secured for all people. God will bless all people. One day people will share the glory that is now Jesus's after the cross. You see, in this psalm we see the pattern of Jesus. Suffering, then glory. That's the pattern of the Christian life. Life will be tough. We will feel at times abandoned by God, but the solution is to hang on to God in prayer, to continue to meditate on the promises of God and the way he's fulfilled his promises in the past, but ultimately to praise him for the victory of the cross. That even when we don't feel victorious, we look at the cross, we look at the resurrection, and it reminds us God is merciful, he's not abandoned us, and one day we will experience the fullness of of his blessing and glory. Hang in there, saints. Amen.